right, Talkers. It is the best day of the week. It is hump, 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 hump day. And we have special guest host with us, Brittany. Brittany Witch. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Sex Monday is pretty good, too. True. So, you guys, can... it's July 7th. That's it's not Tuesday. It's Wednesday. To remind yourself, it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. And it's Ringo Starr's birthday. So peace and love, everybody. Yeah. He's 81. 81. Happy birthday. 81. What? Oh. what? 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 Go, Ringo. It's, it's your birthday. birthday. Can you imagine him it's just kind of shimming around at it? No, I can't. Ringo. <laughs> you know, the peace and love statue, uh, the hand, you yeah. know, is a thing that he donated to the city of Beverly Hills. And oh, it's really? Like across from City Hall, and people go to the peace and love garden and do the peace and love sign next to the hand. Peace and love. That'd be cool. I love Ringo. Ringo. He's got Ringo. one of the best names ever. Ringo. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, we got our Minnesota State Fair Grandstand. <laughs> you should have heard Lori in the double wide. Oh, I was it so was like happy. One right after the other. Well, this is the latest that we've ever had the whole lineup. So You're it's pretty, yeah. 50 days away for anyone who's counting, but we're not because we're wanting these 50 days to drag real nice yeah. and slow. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, the lineup, okay, so here's who it is. So, Miranda Lambert, and she's a holdover from 2019. Okay. She was okay. always, she was opening, or excuse me, 2020. She was always opening the show, and she's back that Thursday night. Um, Maren Morris is the first Friday night of the fair. Hey. I mean, she's uh, one of the country's hottest names, Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say. Then on Saturday night, the cool Saturday night concert is Lake Street Dive, Low Cut Connie, and Kiss the Tiger. Been a fan of Lake Street Dive since I saw him outside at the Caboose. Yeah. And Chris Riemann Schneider uh, said Kiss the Tiger is one of the, uh, he loved that album. He said she's one of the best rising stars out of the Twin Cities. I don't know anything about Low Cut Connie, but I love the name. Yeah, me too. Yeah. A girl we can, we can trust. Then the Sunday night of the fair, the first Sunday of that weekend, it's TLC, Shaggy, and Bone Thugs and Harmony. Here we go. Okay, that would be so fun to go to that. So all these uh, tickets, you got to, some are on sale. Like anything that I said was a holdover, those tickets are on sale. Otherwise, most of these tickets go on sale either the 14th of July or the 21st of July. Okay. So just go to the State Fair's website. Then on Monday night, the only Monday night, oh no, because there's Labor Day, the first Monday night of the fair, it's, um, this is your oldies night, but it's great lineup. The Spinners, Little Anthony and the Imperials, and the Grassroots. Fantastic. Great lineup. Then Tuesday night, that first Tuesday night, Doobie Brothers, and that is from 2020. Mm-hmm. Okay. that's a So if you had tickets for 2020, those tickets are still good. Then Wednesday night of the fair, it's Tim McGraw and Midland. That's a That'll 2020 show. Yep. Already, I've been holding on to seven tickets. Oh, my God. You're going to be so busy. <laughs> yeah. Then um, Thursday, that Thursday night of the fair, the second Thursday, it's, um, you know, that uh, DJ doer, duo who were hit in the 2010s, the Chainsmokers and Gashi. Okay, mm. fun. I like Chainsmokers. Okay. Yeah, they're fun. Uh, then Kevin Costner is the second Friday night <laughs> of the fair. What? It's music. 
movie and conversation. And, you know, we have a little audio clip from when Julia, we talked to Kevin Costner because he was in town to promote his appearance at the Caboose with his band. Wild. Like, Kevin, how are you? Hi, Julia. It's Oh, say that again. Hi, Julia. <laughs> I wanted to meet you forever. It's so nice of you to come in the studio. Do you mind if I sit on your lap? <laughs> <laughs> Cozy up, girl. Cozy up, girl. Cozy I mean, up, that girl. And that he was naughty, on the phone. She is so, like, I just love, oh, say my name again. Say my name. So uh, I think, Julia, I'm going to have to talk to her. Tickets go on sale July 20. First, but I think she might want to go to that show to see Kevin Costner give us music, movie, and conversation. And anyone who loves uh, Kevin Costner or has fallen in love with Yellowstone, yeah, this could be. Those tickets are twenty-five to seventy-five bucks. And then the last Saturday, Saturday of the fair, it's George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Oh my God! And then that Sunday night before Labor Day, that's the free amateur. Um, talent contest. Have you guys ever gone to that? Yes. So fun. It's yes. amazing. It's amazing. So, and that's free in the yeah. grandstand. And then the Labor Day show is the Darcy Lynn and the Okie Dokie Brothers, which I think that's kids. It is one of those things where, like, okay, great. There's great bands coming. But how excited are you just to go to the fair? I, I told you, Brittany, I stay out every night, and so does Joya. I, yeah, we oh, stay out every night. Before I started working at the fair, I was a 11 out of 12 day goer. Yeah. Oh, I really? was down there every day getting dinner, hanging out. I mean, it's the only place in Minnesota where you can walk around with the beer. People watch like you can and eat that great of food and get all that entertainment. Yeah. You can never go wrong. See, yeah. now I do one day. I, I, I used to, you know, as I've been in radio for a little while, yeah. it's I had always spent so many days working, right? Yeah. And now I'll go one day and have like a really fun day and usually yeah. bring my friend Eric. But um, yeah, I, I, the 11 day, I mean, if you weren't working, would you go every day? Um, I wouldn't go every day, but I'd probably go three or four different days. That's I amazing. would, yeah. I would still be going every yeah. day, even if I wasn't working. Yeah. I, um, it's just so much it's fun. It's so much fun. Yeah, and there's such really good is. entertainment. And- yeah. Yep. So love it. anyway, that and, is the grandstand lineup. And people. you'll be well, my talk will be broadcasting there, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you people have to come see you guys. Yeah, we have a permanent booth now. Beautiful yeah. booth. We too. used to have the most pimp location on the corner of Cooper and Randolph. Yes. And then we got booted by that big Ferris wheel. Happens to and the we've best never of us. gone back, but the bathroom was right there. It was a corner. We got know, breeze. Mm-hmm. It was like so pimp. We had no idea that we were in the pimpest. And then then we got relegated to an alley. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of rough. And then we have our, we have a pretty good space because we are in clear listening view of the grandstand so we can hear the practices. And yeah, during yeah. the Colleen and Bradley show, they've got a good rousing um listen to the you know the parade that oh, happens every day at two. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's it's nice now that we've like have the permanent building yeah. and everything. So. It's a nice building too. Very nice facility. Ugh. Good good it's seating. got air conditioned for the swassy days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh you know I wonder if Kevin Costner if, how we could get him we to got be on our show. You guys we gotta put it on the universe. Who you know? Who do we know? Who do we that know that knows Kevin Costner? I mean, Donnie booked him when he was here for the caboose. Don't ask me how. Don't well, ask me how. I'll text Donnie. Yeah, yeah right. let, let me talk to Donnie. I could get some tips, man. Yeah, yeah. right. Jeez. Okay, listen. When we come back, it's our story we can't get enough of. It is all the hot gossip from the Cannes Film Festival. Ooh. 
And when I say that opening night, a premiere of a movie called Annette, but it is being called Adam Driver Sings During What? We'll tell you when we come back. Well, a lot of things are happening in the south of France, okay? Mm. Kurt and Goldie are on a yacht. We posted the photos of them (laughs) frolicking in their swimsuits. They both look like they have a little pandemic pudge happening. (laughs) No shame. No shame, because I feel like everyone has it. Something, you know, I just don't know too many people who got skinny. No, and those During people the that last did. 15 months. We hate you. Uh, we don't hate them, but I mean, <laughs> well, we it's unusual. You. If you lost weight during the pandemic, I hate you. Yeah, personally. there was so much kind of stress grazing oh going yes, on yes. Uh, with various things. So, anyway, Kurt and Goldie are there. They've made their way from Greece to Saint Tropez, the Cannes Film Festival. The first night was um, last night, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we've got photos, more red carpet uh, pictures posted. I will just tell you that festival goers, um, specifically the ones from the UK and uh, the United States, are they're having to do. They have a big spit tent before you even enter the palais and the red carpet, mm. and you have to do the spit test, the COVID wow. test. Even if you have your vaccine card, they're just being super cautious because they've yeah. had this Delta variant. So, I don't know if you ever took a spit test. Yeah. It really takes at least 15 or 16 tries yeah. uh, to fill that yeah. uh, little vial. So people are completely grossed out about that. In your gown, you're it's, filling up this cup with spit. Yeah, I just say spit, people, and be glad you're there because last year can was canceled for the first time since World War II. Spit and be merry. The spit and be merry is right. And uh, I mean, I remember a couple years ago when... When can they were like uh, they didn't want women to wear sensible shoes on the red carpet? Remember when that was I their big know. thing? Don't we wish and, we could go back to that being and our only they complaint? banned selfies. No more taking selfies. Now they've got a whole tent devoted to uh, drool play and saliva cake. <laughs> saliva cake. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, and don't set your drink down because you might confuse it and you don't want to do that. Yeah. Okay, so this year's Cannes Film Festival opened with the screening of a movie called Annette, and it is a rock opera starring Adam Driver and Marianne Cotillard. And Marianne, so first of all, at the movie last night, after the movie was shown, um, it got a five. It got 70 seconds of polite applause and a five-minute standing ovation, which apparently in Cannes is tepid, okay? And the reason why it uh, had tepid reviews is early reviews describe Annette as bizarre and joyless, and everybody is commenting on the scene because I guess the movie... This movie, Annette, has music in it by this cult group called Sparks. Okay. Do you know who that is? No. Anyway, so there's a lot of singing. So it's kind of a musical. But one of the things that Marianne Cotillard just casually said um, in an interview, Adam Driver didn't show up, the star of the movie. She just said, well, uh, everything was musical, whether we were in complicated positions doing backcrawling or mimicking um, going downtown. 
acrobatic positions that uh, affect your singing. So apparently uh, Adam's character uh-huh. in this movie yeah. is hella out there and Adam Driver <laughs> is singing while going downtown on Annette, his co-star, Marianne Cotillard. <laughs> He's blowing her Australian kisses, okay. giving Holy her lip service in an oral manner, all the while while singing. <laughs> Okay. 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 So people don't know what to make of this movie. It's going to open here in the U.S. It's getting lots of attention. Scott Feinberg of The Hollywood Reporter said, Annette is just hella out of there singing mid cunnilingus. They use the, you know, (laughs) proper 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 terminology is the least of it. Whoa. Okay. That's the. Least of it. Oh, gosh. Okay, David Rooney from The Hollywood Reporter said the insubstantial narrative cannot support the bold operatic strokes of the storytelling. (laughs) It is silliness. It kept bumping me out of this sluggish drama. Um, Peter Bradshaw said it's like watching yourself on a nervous breakdown. Um, uh, anyway, I uh, well, I don't know. I'm gonna be really honest. Yeah, those reviews. I don't know if they mean good or bad with at this point. Like, well, here's what Roger Friedman. Is okay, saying, give it to me. Give it to me. I'm International so, yeah. called it an ungainly, frustrating affair. So here's what Roger Friedman says the yeah. morning after. Adam Driver, he's out of there. He skipped town first thing this morning, French time. Didn't stick around for the press conference that always follows the press screening of a competition film. He's going to start shooting Noah Baumbach's new movie in Cleveland. But the foreign distributors of Annette got the photo call, the wave from the red carpet, the appearance at the premiere, and poof, he was gone. Reviews called the movie basically insane, over-the-top, wacky, and audacious. This is all code for very bad and self-indulgent words reviewers don't use when they are trapped at a film festival for 10 days on the first day. I see. So Roger is giving us the can speak mm-hmm. on that because all these people then, you know, they yeah, could run be into blocked. each other. Yeah. yeah. So he said, my favorite um, comment came from some of my colleagues who saw Annette yesterday and observed it was likely not Oscar uh, material, which is code for, yeah, are you crazy? <laughs> um, only two people, the guy from The Hollywood Reporter and the guy from Screen International were brave enough to give a rotten sign to Annette on Rotten Tomatoes. 16 others gave it a fresh standing, even though the reviews say all these other things yeah. to indicate otherwise. Wait till Annette meets the public next month. Reviewers will be singing a different tune, I think. So this hmm. movie just sounds, you know. Okay. It sounds like a movie I'm probably not going to see, even if. Adam Driver is singing Going Downtown like, while going downtown. Initially, it kind of had the vibe of like Rocky Horror Picture Show. You're like, oh, it's out there. But yeah. Like, it'll be fun. Yeah. But then you're like, no, the Hollywood speak on this is this is really bad mm-hmm. and nobody wants to say it yet. Yet. Yeah. So it got the opening slot at the Camp Phil Festival, Val Kilmer's trailer for his documentary apparently old val kilmer kept uh has been recording himself for 40 years on a video camera much like uh you know punky brewster did and yeah did you see that 
a documentary she did. With I didn't her. watch it, but I, yeah, I know it what you're talking good. about. Yeah, he has kept. Uh, remember, he breaks on uh, to the scene in about 1984, but he personally shot and documented his life and craft through video and amassed thousands of hours of footage. So they showed the trailer for that. It's just called Val, and it's going to be on uh, Amazon uh, in uh, what day did it say here? Well, he's somebody. July, the end of uh, the end of July. Okay, so we're close to it. He's somebody I would watch. That I mean, he's been through so much transition. Um, it goes all the way back to his childhood uh, because he his parents filmed him in a number of eight eight millimeter uh, films. I would watch that. Yeah. So it's his first person account of his rise into stardom, and then he had bumpy years and. Talked about how Michael Douglas outed him for having throat cancer, which, you know, there have been some studies, and Michael Douglas is also part of this, that throat cancer for men that um, going downtown, if somebody has HPV or something Mm -hmm. like that, you can get throat Mm -hmm. cancer. Okay, I How about do, that? I, I, I <laughs> mean, just throwing that out there. I remember uh, when I learned that, I was like, Whoa, whoa you were like, What? Grant, <laughs> tell us you didn't learn it the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 okay. I did not. Okay. No. Anyway, yeah, Val will be in theaters on July 23rd and then streaming on Amazon on August 6th. And he talks about Top Gun and. Talks about how he behaved poorly and women and yeah, might be really good. I want to watch that. Yeah. Okay. Listen, we will be back. We've got a very fun author that we're talking to. Thanks so much, Grant. All right, everybody. Yeah, you are in for a treat. It is time for the Low J Book Club and we are absolutely delighted. Christina Clancy is joining us. Uh, Her book, Shoulder Season, just had its book birthday yesterday. So hi, Christina. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. Oh my gosh. First of all, loved, loved, loved shoulder season. It is just such a unexpectedly kind of, I don't know, it was a coming of age book. I guess I didn't see coming because 1981, you know, I feel like I was the same age as this gal in 1981 and I don't know, you really paint that time in the small town and working at the Playboy Club. So just give people a setup of your wonderful story. Oh, sure. Well, the book does take place mostly in 1981, but it actually begins in the present day. Yes. um, In Palm Springs with a woman named Sherry Taylor, who um, finds out that she has to go back to East Troy, Wisconsin, the small town where she grew up. Um, because somebody that is kind of a benefactor has passed away. And when she goes back, she realizes she has to face her past. And the past includes working when she was a 19-year-old girl or woman at the old Playboy Resort in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And um, while she was working there, she was exposed to a number of different men. Um, and there is a tragedy that happened on, a, on an area lake. And she blames herself for it for all these years. So in going back, she not only faces um, the past and that life experience, uh, life-changing experience she had working at the Playboy Resort, but she also kind of learns to forgive herself and be able to move on. Yeah, and that that I guess is really you know what made the whole book come together so much is that it is this whole story. Even though we start when she's I don't know if she's in his in her fifties when it starts, but the whole story is told you know in the flashback. And of course, I just love the whole. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, Playboy Club. I thought, what a fun 
job that would have been. It sounded so glamorous. And I was lucky enough to get a tour of the Playboy Club when it was still, it was right before it closed. And I worked for a hotel management company and we were looking to take it over. But it needed so much work. Oh, I'm so jealous that you had a chance to actually go there. Yes. When I was doing my research, I just would have killed to walk through the doors and see what it was like when it was still a Playboy Resort. And that was the thing, you know, when I looked at it, and I guess this would have been, I'm trying to think, like maybe 1990, it might have been. And it was like frozen in time. The They hadn't redone it at all. But it was on oh, this beautiful piece of property. I mean, the property was gorgeous. The lake, the, you know, everything. Yeah, it's really lush. I think you were probably there in 1981 or 1982. Because I've, I've heard different accounts of which year the club actually closed. Okay, okay. To, over, to become the Americana. Yeah, that's um, when I toured it. It was the Americana. That's what it was called. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when they switched it over to the Americana, it closed pretty abruptly. And then when this other um, hotel company took it over, these brothers from Houston on the Americana, they didn't want to have anything to do with the Playboy name. They How thought dumb. it was tacky, and it brought down the, the values of the resort. So they got rid of everything, and Ugh. they tore up even the carpeting that had the bunny logos and Ugh. had huge bonfires outside. All the golf pads, the pens, the logo mugs, the carpet, everything was burned up and I think that was something that made me want to write about this because I wanted to resurrect it from the past yeah that's very interesting and then so did you like I did you find a bunny to talk to to paint that picture of you know what it was like living dormitory style and working you know because I mean you paint this picture of it's you know I'm just like I can you you could feel it taste it smell the cigarette smoke And the chlorine. Yes. Yeah, I did. I found, well, it's interesting because not everybody wanted to talk to me. I would hear about women who are former bunnies. And it's funny because people, I started asking people if they knew anyone who had been a, a bunny when I started to work on this project. And they'd kind of whisper, you know, here the club's been closed for 40 years. Yes. Like, I know someone, she was a bunny. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's okay, you can just say it. You know, but um, I found out that some of the bunnies really felt stigmatized from mm-hmm. having worked there. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't want even their own children to know that they'd worked there, which I think is such a shame because it was fascinating, interesting, fun, much more chase than people would think. And the work was really hard. Um, but then I found this woman named Pam Ellis. When she was a bunny, they, you never wanted to have bunnies with the same names because it was confusing. So they'd have to take a different name if their name was already taken. So she became Bunny Jojo because there was already a bunny Pam. Okay. She she was fantastic because she worked there for four years. So she's the person who told me that the women lived in the dorm, that in a dorm that had a 12-foot fence around it to keep the men out <laughs> or the women in, oh my God. I guess. <laughs> Um, and just really funny stories. In fact, she loaned me her tail, which she showed me for the first time yesterday when I was at a book signing. And the tail weighs almost a pound and it's as big as my face. It's huge. Wow. Wow. And then she's the one who gave you the detail about, you know, what they wore and just like, really, they were kind of, I mean, they had, there was some moments of glamour, but I mean, this is like any waitressing banquet waitressing, you know, any kind of, that's hard work. 
Oh, it's so hard. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to write about is that these women came from the small area towns. They didn't come from big cities. Mm -hmm. So the way we think of Playboy clubs is much different than what the resort was like. And I started thinking, because I know this this town called East Troy, which is about 15 minutes away from Lake Geneva. I know it very well. Boy, do we want to go there after reading Shoulder Season. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. They would love to have you. It's really a special town with a square and everything. And um but I just kept imagining what was it like for these women who were the daughters of dairy farmers um, or, you know, maybe their mm-hmm. dad drove a slaughterhouse truck or mm-hmm. their dad is a cop or whatever. And what was it like to wear heels for the first time and to work double and triple shifts in those heels or in January to walk out on the floor of the resort with, you know, practically naked. Yeah. So oh. with your, people look at you. With your one pound bunny tail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Christina, so, I mean, I get that you, you know, what initially, how, was this something you knew growing up that this existed? Because obviously the more you learn about it, you're like, I have to write about this. But initially, was this part of like a story that they told? Because you grew up in Wisconsin, right? Yeah, I grew up in Milwaukee and I had heard that there was a Playboy Resort, but I never really made the connection until years later when we went, we had a family reunion around 2020, or I'm sorry, uh, 2010. Um, and I saw this curio cabinet that had all the Playboy memorabilia, and I and I and then I connected that that used to be the resort, and I thought it was so interesting that this little tiny curio cabinet off to the side of the lobby was all that announced that this used to be a Playboy resort, which I thought was you know like a newspaper um, in the newspaper business they say you buried your lead mm-hmm, when yeah. you don't lead with the most interesting thing. Yeah, to me it felt like they buried the lead. You know, I mean, why would they not want to make that a big deal? Um, but I'd heard from my friends, especially um, the boys from my school, like they would go skiing at the Lake Geneva Resort. There was a ski hill there and the bunnies would serve them. And then I heard this crazy story. A friend of mine heard about my book and he said when he was 12 years old, he was a Boy Scout and the prize for some sort of merit badge competition was a flight in a Cessna to the Playboy Resort <laughs> to have lunch at the Playboy, um, the Playmate Bar. And he won it. Oh, my gosh. 12 years old. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's just amazing. But, I mean, families did go and vacation there. It was a family, you know, spot, wasn't it? it? Yeah, it was a family resort. And, you know, I heard stories about the bunnies supervising Easter egg hunts or working, like, supervising the game room. Oh, my gosh. Um, And then uh, Bunny Pam told, or Bunny Jojo told me that, when she was working, the um, when she was at the resort, the, they would say, be careful, like, be really nice to the wives. Yes. Because you don't want them to treat you like the trash they think you are. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was so interesting that yeah. they wanted to lead with that. Yeah, yeah, that that is. Oh, it's just, I mean, first of all, I can see shoulder season completely being optioned, and I'm sure your agent who... You had news to share about your book that you wrote last summer called The Second Home. Oh, this is exciting. Yeah, so my first book is called The Second Home, and that's um, set in Milwaukee and also in Cape Cod. So that that was your first book? That was my debut. Okay, we got to read that. Okay. Yeah, and that that was optioned by Nikolai Koster-Waldau, who played Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So who would have ever thought that my literary world and Game of Thrones would intersect? They're colliding, <laughs> and he Ugh. he's optioned this for himself to star in, right? 
Right. He wants to star and executive produce in a limited series. And TriStar is the, I don't really understand how it all works, but they're owned by Sony and they optioned oh, yeah. the rights. No, so no. They, this could be like a Big Little Lies thing, because just like in Big Little Lies, I'm reading from Deadline that your book, The Second Home, explores how a devastating secret can derail young love and tear apart families. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> so did you get to meet him? Did you? Is there any interaction you will or have had with him? You know, I sure hope I do. Me yeah. too. Oh, he is absolutely beautiful. One of my friends calls him the Tasty Danish. Yes, oh, he's so he good. is. That is a good, <laughs> I, a yeah. good nick, uh, nickname for him. <laughs> but um, do you like? Okay, so because I know, like, your agent sells it, and you're just like, a good congratulations and all of that. But do you see him? Is he a Gordon or a Shaw? Because we haven't read the second home yet. Oh, well, he wants to play Anthony Shaw, who is a real bad guy. And Mm. I think he actually, it's interesting that you compared it to Big Little Lies. Uh I think he wanted a role that was similar to Andrew Sarsgaard's role in Big Little Lies. He he played Nicole Kidman's husband. Yeah. Um, Oh, Christina, I want this to happen for you. I want you to be (laughs) the USA uh, Leanne Moriarty. And then this book, Shoulder Season, can be optioned. By okay, we'll let Reese uh, option it for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, you know, it felt like a movie to me when I was writing Shoulder Season. Yeah. So I could, oh, it could I be could that too. It. it could be that because I can, you know, the opening um, and Michelle Pfeiffer can be Sherry. Oh, wouldn't that be great? That's yeah. a great suggestion. Thank oh, you. They, I'm, yeah. I'm just here to do some producing, Christina, besides having the radio show. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. You can direct it, too. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Maybe you should be Sherry. (laughs) Oh, no, it's so great to talk to you. Um, We can't wait. I'm going to read the second home. I encourage people, if you're looking for a book, I agree with us. uh, Another reviewer called it City of Girls Meets Daisy Jones and the Six with a Dash of Dirty Dancing is how he described uh, Shoulder Season. Oh, that's great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show and for introducing readers to the 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 strange world that I stumbled upon. And oh, Christina, we could just talk to you forever about how you got into books, but now that we know how to find each other on Twitter, we'll, we can stay in touch. Oh, that sounds great. Thanks so much for having All me. All right, thanks, Christina. We've got four okay. copies to give away, 651-641-1071. Again, the book is Shoulder Season. Everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. So, oh, there's a little breaking news. Angelina Jolie is trying to get out of the wine business with Brad, and she's begging a judge to let her out ASAP. Oh my goodness! When the Mirabel is going on, what happened? They were they've been doing this for so long. She just filed documents asking a judge to lift a restraining order on the transfer of the assets, which was put in place automatically when their divorce paperwork got underway. In other words, she does not want to be in the Chateau Miraval Rosé business any longer. She wants to sell her portion of the biz to a third party, and it's on the date. It's on. She has an offer she does not wish to make wine with her husband anymore. Anymore, her, her ex-husband. Her, yeah. Well, they're still no, they're bifurcated. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's. Uh, 
He's done. She wants it off, and the judge has yet to sign. But I bet the judge signs off on that. I would think so. Yeah. Now, what do you think would be that? Why? What? It just doesn't want to deal with it anymore. She. Yeah, yeah. They started the Chateau Miraval Rosé out of love. Mm. They lived at the Chateau. They <laughs> loved there. They got married there. They yeah. thought they were going to grow old looking at their rosé wine bushes. Yes, as one does. <laughs> as one does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it it's the death of a dream, and now she's moving on, and maybe she, you know... Her investment guy said we could do better with this money. And, yeah. you know, people already love this rosé. There's no more g- gain to be gotten. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? And maybe uh, maybe Brad also would like to, that would be one more financial knot to untie. Yeah. But I mean. For both of them, you know, but he did at least bring another lady there. But she happened to be married in, in a thruple and with a kid and he was like 80 and little messy it was so messy it It was was so messy messy. and it was so he tried to get the stain of angelina out of chateau miravel (laughs) it's not gonna happen everyone knows wine stains okay so we have to get to uh let's get to this story we'll go with uh should we go with the america's got talent Okay, so this, I don't, I have to confess, I don't watch this show. Do you guys? No. I do. No. You do? Okay. Yeah. Good job. So you saw this last night? I didn't see this one. I recorded. I usually catch it on, I usually watch on the weekends. Okay, but okay. yes, yes. So last night, uh, this guy who's the widower of Christina Mauser, who is a basketball coach who died in the helicopter crash with Kobe. Mm-hmm. She was, you know, one of the coaches. And yeah. so this guy... Matt is the widow of her. And I think we have a little bit of the story, but I, the song he sang and, you know, here we go. Yeah, we'll start out with him just telling his quick story, then okay. we'll do the song after. Okay, and what's your name, please? My name is Matt Mauser. Where are you from, Matt? I'm from Huntington Beach, California. How old are you? I'm 51. You look good. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Matt, so why AGT? What are you going to do today? I'm a singer. And I'm here because my wife and I... Uh, we were both school teachers, and um, we retired from teaching so that I could do the music full-time, and she got the opportunity to coach girls basketball with Kobe Bryant. But um, on, uh, on January 26th of 2020, I lost my wife in the same helicopter crash that killed Kobe Bryant. Wow, I'm so sorry. So that was Sophia Vergara and Heidi Klum. Yeah, and kind of reacting. putting the pieces together. So here he is singing. Uh, here's singing a song. I'm trying to even think what the name of it is. We'll figure it out. You'll hear it. Just give it. Oh, just... I think it's a Phil Collins song. How can I just let you walk away? Let you leave without a chance When I stand here taking every breath for you mm-hmm. You're the only one who really knew me at all So take a look at me now There's just this empty space There's nothing left here to mind me 
Just the memory of a face Take a look at me now His kids are watching I'll still be standing here And you coming back to me Is against all odds And that's what I've got to face There's so much I need to say to you so many reasons why Oh my god You're the only one who really knew me at all Just take a look at me <laughs> now Oh my god, why are crying? Just wait till the ending, just, just wait empty space. I just think about him thinking about his life There's nothing left here to remind me Just a memory of your face Take a look at me now I'll still be standing here And you coming back to me Is against all odds And that's what I've got to face This is it right here Take a look at me now Can't even finish it Take a look at me Oh, okay All right oh Okay. <laughs> I'm crying. All over the here. judges were like, we really felt your emotions, and they were just like so moved by it. His kids came out. Okay. Grant's over there wiping away tears. Why can't I'm he be crying. on a singing show, though? Because America's got talent. He's going to well, do a Vegas ride. Thing. He's going to. I know, but you know what? He got moved to the next round, and I his know. kids came out. Of These course. are the kind of emotional stories this that America's is, Got Talent. Exactly. Like. I, just, I just, they're using it, and I know it's oh, fine. Oh, Brittany, I, get I, over I'm yourself. Sorry. Yeah. We want to cry. <laughs> I want to cry, too, and I cried with you. Okay, fine. I'm going home. <laughs>